Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. What is the best advice from the most successful women in business? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the LeadX Show. Kevin Cruz here, helping you once again to get 1% better today, just a little bit better. And have you checked out leadx.org yet? No? We serve up a new free course of the day on management, leadership, productivity, communication. So when you get into work, fire up your browser and go see what's free today, leadx.org. Today on the show, you're gonna hear from the CEO of a social marketing agency who interviewed some of the most successful women in business to get their success secrets. We talk about the challenge of communication as a leader, how she got a hold of Sheryl Sandberg starting off with a cold email, and our challenge of the day, inspired by one of her tips, is to use your mental mute. We are all so uncomfortable with silence that we tend to jump in after just a couple of seconds of silence. So today, instead, when you're asking someone to give you feedback, when you're asking your boss for a raise, when you're asking a peer to do you a tough favor, a big favor, ask and then hit your mental mute. Don't talk, just let the seconds tick away. Don't fill the silence. Wait until the other person responds. Our quote of the day, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage, Anise Nin. Our guest today is a keynote speaker, columnist for Forbes and Inc., and CEO and co-founder of Likeable Media, an award-winning content studio that achieved Crane's sixth best place to work in New York City. She is the author of the new book, Work It, Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business. Our guest is Carrie Kirpin. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Now, I sort of have a tradition with all of our guests, they get the same first question because I love failure stories. I think failures are just stepping stones to you yeah. know future greatness, who knows yeah. what or where. So tell me about one of your best failures and what did you learn from it? I think one, if I think I love failures, actually, I, I hate them in the moment, but I always love them looking back. One that comes to mind for me would be um, when I took over a client here at Likeable from somebody else uh, that was in distress. We just didn't do a good job. I think we probably accepted the client uh, around a service that we didn't do well. And I think we, we overshot. And so I came in like with total hero complex, total hero complex. And I walked in the door and they were, they were a global organization and they were headquartered actually out of the Middle East. And I walked in in their New York office and they said, oh, you have to fix this, Carrie. Only you can fix this. And I said, okay, I tell you what, I will actually go to your Middle East office. I will immerse myself in your stuff. I, I will do it. And if you don't like it, I'm going to give you half your money back. Just pay for my travel, whatever. I'll give you half the money back because they had already paid. They were like, this is great. This is awesome. Let's do it. Okay. I go out there. I have total hero syndrome. I spend days upon days. I do all of this work to try and make something perfect. And at the end of the day, it still wasn't what they wanted. I ended up giving them half their money back. Now, I don't know if that's because they just were trying to like really get their money and get a thing and like, oh no, Carrie, this isn't great. Or if it really just wasn't great, it wasn't the core of what we did at the time. And so it was a, it was a great lesson for me in A, 
focus is key and don't do things outside of your wheelhouse if you don't know how to do them or have a good partner who can execute them. Um, and B, you know what? You don't have to be the hero. Like it doesn't have to be so much about you. I think it was my own ego that was so focused. I'm like, oh, I'll save this. I'll, I'll fly to the, I literally flew to the Middle East because I was so obsessed with my own ability to save the day. And like that for me was a big wake up call. Like can't always be the hero. Yeah, it reminds me of that psychological thing about like sunk costs where, you know, once we've once we've lost some money at that blackjack table oh, yeah. or whatever, it's hard to walk away. It's like, oh, no, we'll win it oh, back. We'll win it back. Just keep going. A hundred percent. hundred percent. I've had lots of other failures, but that one I remember because giving half that money back was not fun. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. Yeah. So I mentioned in, in the pre-show, of course, your new book again is Work It, Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business. And you do have advice from like a lot of really high profile women. So how'd the book come about? Well, the book is actually really interesting because I I run a social media agency that I co-founded with my husband in 2007. Uh, in 2013, I took over as CEO, and it was really a very scary experience for me, if I'm being honest. I was, I'm was i an operator and somebody who can really hold stuff together, but having that actual vision was really terrifying for me, especially because in 2013, as a social media agency, it's a much more crowded landscape. And so at the time, what I decided to do was use the fact that in social media, most of the founders and most of the leaders were very loud, very extroverted and male. And they were all talking about themselves all over social media. And I felt like, oh crap, how am I going to grow this business? I don't, I don't want to do that. And I'm definitely not a male and I don't want to be talking about myself all day. And so I decided that to grow the agency, what I would do would be instead of telling my own stories, I would tell stories of other women in the industry. And what I would really do is focus on people who worked at the brand level and expand my own networking capability. So I'd invite a great guest on the show and ask about their business challenges and then boom, we'd be friends. And then eventually we'd do business and be great. So I started a podcast called All the Social Ladies. And what I found was that I wasn't just interested in my own selfish reasons, like really like, oh, I could grow my business. But I also was like, fascinated with their career tips. And I was like, wow, this, this could really work well for young women and, and people midway in their careers. And so when I was approached by Penguin Random House to do a book, uh, I thought that this was an excellent opportunity to give these stories more voice. And so that's really where it came from. And I, I expanded beyond just social media, which is primarily what the podcast is about, to be about life lessons, because we need we need more than just um, one philosophy, I think. Like, I think like things like Lean In and Girl Boss and all these things are great, but they're like, here, do this. And I believe ultimately that you have to hear lots of different things from lots of different people to get your own inspiration. And so that's what the book tried to do. And, and in this short podcast, we can't go through all of it, but you said, you know, lots of jam-packed advice. Like, give us a couple of the secrets that stand out for you or that you find most interesting yourself. I mean, there's so many I find interesting, but I think I think <laughs> there's a few around networking that I think are really key. I think one story that I love came from Sandy Carter, who um, has been at many Fortune 500 companies, was re- leading social change at IBM and a lot of different places. And what she talked about was very early in her career, she would sit at her desk during lunch, keep her head down and get her work done. She was racing, right? Until one day a supervisor came to her and said, do me a favor, go down to the cafeteria and see who's down there. 
and it was all men. And the reason it's all men is that men understand the power of networking with one another and the importance of networking with one another. And I think that women are like, oh my God, we have to be so confident. We got to get our job done. We got to get it done. We got to go. And I think they don't take the time to network as much. And so I think those tips around using networking as a, as a part of your job, uh, making it a part of your job versus like, oh, something I need to do later uh, is key. And I think that all links back to a lot of the stories in the book, which are around um, women focusing on being the best at their job, competence versus having confidence in the ability to talk about what they do, uh, because the confidence is as important as competence. So there's tons of stories about that that can really, I think, very practical can help women. I, I, there's a ton that I love. There's a lot around like how to listen to your gut and things like that. But I think the practical stuff around how to have confidence is what's key. Also good stuff about making money too. That's good. Well, tell me how to make some money. Oh, okay. <laughs> this, I love this story. Okay. But this is not for us entrepreneurs. Okay. This is really, All right. I, I mean, although it can be used in any negotiation. <laughs> so Kara Friedman from ClassPass. I love Kara. She used to work for me. And she tells this story that is so uh, on, dead on. Best advice. Ready? When you're going for a new job, ask, what are the salary requirements for this position? or what is the salary for this position? And then hit mute. Force yourself to put the awkward part of a negotiation on somebody else. And that doesn't just work for salary. That works for anything. And not just mute on the phone. Learn how to use your mental mute. Because if you learn how to use your mental mute, you can negotiate for a lot more. How much is this project going to cost? Mental mute. Where do you see me going in five years at this organization? Mental mute. For acquisitions, for you name it. Just learning how to mute yourself in order to place the awkward, you have to own that feeling and like the feeling of awkward. And then you can become really, really good at getting more money. I love that tip. You've got like evil glee with this tip. I love it. <laughs> On the awkward, once you, to me, it was just such a light bulb. Once you just say, you know what? Screw it. It's awkward and I'm going to love it. Yeah. Like you just love that and you put that onto somebody else. And then you're sitting there and you own the feeling of silence. It's so great. So this is, I wrote down mental mute. I like that. I, I love alliteration. I'm always looking for ways to anchor ideas. And I got similar advice for a different context from Kim Scott. Now she, she created the managing at Apple program and all that. And I was talking to her about how do we get feedback from people and she said that, you know, nobody wants to give their boss like feedback. You're scared to like actually give, say what you really think. And she said the key is to, you know, ask for the feedback. They usually say, oh, you know, some little thing. And then you say, and what else? And then you just stop talking. Mental mute. Mental and mute. What else? And she says like six seconds. She says nobody can sit there for six seconds without saying something. But most people, if you're the boss or in this case, you know, you, you will jump back in to fill the silence. She's like, don't. It's like the mental mute. And then people will start to, to tell you what they really think. So I love that tip. Yes, you have to get comfortable in silence. I think that that's, that's key um, on a lot of things, by the way. If you're comfortable in silence with yourself, it can help you better channel your gut and learn what you really want. I believe when you're able to listen to your gut, you're able to make decisions better and faster. And a lot of that is just sitting with yourself in silence. You have to mental mute yourself too. Right, mental mute yourself. You say women should ditch the five-year plan to build a killer career for themselves. What do you mean by that? Okay, so... If I said to you, what are you going to be doing five years from now? You might have an idea, but the reality is that most of the careers that will be available in five years don't exist today. 
if we had said to you in 2003, what are you going to do in 2008? I never would have been able to say, oh, I'll be running a social media agency because social media was not a thing. I believe that in this current economy and this current state of the world, we are seeing things evolve so quickly with technology. We need to be really thoughtful about where we want to be in the here and now and what our next step may be. The other thing is that a five-year plan sometimes when you're setting a plan that's aggressively straightforward up in the air, right? You're, you're forgetting about things, making your career more like a jungle gym, right? Instead of just going straight up, you can try new things and do new things at the same level. And, and it doesn't hold you back. That's what we've seen more recently, especially with the millennials as they're taking a lot of different choices and, and steps in their careers, it's not a ladder. It's not necessarily a ladder. It's really more of a jungle gym. Yeah, that's great advice. I have a 19-year-old daughter, a 17-year-old daughter, and we were just having this conversation. And yep. I'm kind of known, I mean, I, I, I'm purposely being an alarmist, but I talk about like even today's email news, news blast was about look out for the artificially intelligent robots that are going to come and take our jobs. And it's not that every job is going to go away, but I keep telling my kids, don't worry so much about your first job out of college you're going to have choices in five or 10 years, you know, that that just don't exist today. You can't pick something because it just doesn't exist today. Exactly. And that's why you have to try lots of things. I tell my, I have a 14 year old, so I'm not quite where you are. <laughs> 14 year old daughter and 10 year old daughter and a two year old son, which is a whole other story for another day. But my 14 year old. I didn't know about the two year old. Oh my goodness. Bonus. Love wow. him. Got the two girls and then the little baby boy. And it's just yeah. sorry crazy getting this all done. But yes. So my 14 year old, I tell her to just try lots and lots of things. And I think that that's, what's really key. I love that for me. Like, you got to try it and see what you like. So again, lots of high profile uh, people in your book, very successful women. Who's maybe one of the highest profile? I mean, is it, is it like Sheryl Sandberg? I know. Is yeah, I think Sheryl Sandberg, Barbara Corcoran, uh, Reshma Sajani, who founded Girls Who Code and did that incredible uh, TED talk on teaching women, uh, teaching our girls not so much to be perfect, but to be brave. I think that's again ties back to the confidence and competence thing. A lot, a lot of high profile women, but a lot of women who are like just like you, you know, just like any woman out there. So it's it, that's what I loved about it is if I did all high, the high profile women are fabulous and they are there for a reason. They get a lot of attention, but there are so many stories out there that need to be told that are more than just. Um, the women whose stories we've already heard. And so that was what was so exciting to me. It was like, not just, it was to interview Sheryl Sandberg in the same, on the same day as I interviewed Anita Rosner, who uh, had a comeback from her career, had a career on Wall Street, ended up staying at home to raise her kids, talked about that experience, and then came back into the game as an actress. Like really um, just interesting people who you've never heard of. And and that I I really loved seeing that context and that that juxtaposition between women who are kind of notable and women whose stories have never been heard before. Yeah, and I'm wondering if you could share, you know, briefly how you got to interview Sheryl Sandberg, because I think people who who haven't read your book are just going to assume, well, you're a successful entrepreneur, author. You guys probably just work out at the same gym. She's your friend. And that's how it came about. But I think there's some lessons to learn, some career lessons even to learn just from how you got that interview. So how to come about? 
Well, it's really funny that you asked me that because I don't, <laughs> I don't know that if you read this part, but I actually write a whole story about how I got the interview with Sheryl Sandberg. So I'll tell you in a nutshell, many years ago, I was a startup social media agency. I had followed Cheryl from her time at Google and she had recently come on board. This was before Lean In to Facebook. So I, I emailed her and I said, oh, I'm in the Bay Area for a meeting. I love you. You know, all the things I loved about her. Cold but, email. Oh, she oh, didn't, oh, yeah. I yeah. know you through this connection, you know, so-and-so, you know what, I go through the whole thing. And I say, would you like to meet up? And she says, oh, I can't do this day, but are you in the Bay Area often? Well, I am never in the Bay Area, ever, ever. You're in New York. Right. So, of course, I responded, yes, I'm there all the time. When is a good day for you? So, okay, so there was this day, and I, I flip, she gives me a day, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to meet with Charles Network. And I went there, and she, of course, as the chief operating officer of Facebook, had 10 million things come up. So, she, But she didn't know that this, I was there just for her. So she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Can you do tomorrow? Can you do whenever? And I ended up having a dance recital or no parent teacher for one of my kids. And I had to get back. So I said, I'm so sorry, I can't meet up. But I had kept in touch, you know, every once in a while, she sent me a, the lean in book. She, you know, we, we kind of, I nurtured the relationship, but, but without being like annoying and a stalker of somebody like Cheryl Sandberg. So and eventually years later, I send her an email and I say, I have to confess something to you. Then I told her the story <laughs> and I said, by the way, I was never in the Bay Area. Would you, I just want to see, would you be open to giving me like maybe at the time, I think it was a blurb for the book. And she was like, oh, I'll do it. I'll do an interview. And it was so amazing. I was so generous of her. She owed me absolutely nothing. I love this. And she, you know, so, so to me, the lesson on this is, is really being fearless in the ability to reach out. And especially with social media today, the access is really there. Um, if you use LinkedIn or Twitter or any of these things properly, um, you can, and, and you can do it in your own way. You know, not everyone is comfortable cold emailing. So maybe you can get introduced through a friend of a friend of a friend, or you can do something. And, and again, it's not always about meeting the biggest star. I believe that there's a whole level of successful women that are not in this like high ecosphere that are accessible to you that you can connect with and be inspired to do so. And Carrie, you're a better uh, parent than I am because I would have so blown off that parent-teacher conference. I'd be like, Cheryl Sandberg, I will be here every day until we get this meeting in. <laughs> you know what? Let me tell you something. I felt really bad not doing that, but ultimately, I think it's, you know, two things. First of all, I think the mom guilt game is strong. Sure. I think there's a lot of mom guilt. And I think also it was what was important. You know, I knew where my limits were. And I, I also believe that for women and men, you have to set the limits to create the kind of life you want. For me, if it meant that I wasn't going to grow faster because I was going to parent-teacher, I was okay with that. And I, I always was. And I think that that helped me. Uh, that helped keep me grounded. And actually, it helped me grow the way I wanted to. That's great. A question not directly re related to the book, but as a successful entrepreneur, business leader, give us some advice for being a great manager, a great leader. How do you lead your people? So a great leader uh, has to inspire. Definitely, I think for me, I, I think it's very, very important to realize the weight of your words as a, as a leader. So they should be inspirational. And you have to know that anything you say um, matters a lot more than you think it matters. So if you give a comment off the cuff, it could really matter a lot. Um, I think a great manager and leader has the ability to deliver feedback in a way that is true 
and likable. So learn, learn how to give feedback. And Dave talks about this in Art of People. My husband, Dave Kirkman, wrote The Art of People. He talks about the praise, you know, the feedback sandwich, like something positive, constructive feedback, something positive again. And I think really learning how to give that type of feedback and have fearless feedback um, is key as a leader. And then be focused on always know that the person in front of you is thinking about what's in it for me. What, how can I, what about me? So if something happens, it's like, okay, how does this affect me? So always with thinking that in mind as a leader, you can choose your words carefully and direct to somebody to help realize like, okay, this is what we're doing. Here's how it's going to impact you. And most important, here's how it's going to impact the org. Cause all the leaders thinking about is here's how it's going to impact the org. But ultimately recognizing that you need to think about how it's going to impact them is what's going to be key. So to me, the, big, the biggest thing is feedback and, and the good ability to listen as a leader. It's great. You mentioned when, when like CEOs and leaders say something and it gets kind of magnified through the organization. And I was at an event and the speaker was Dick Costello, who was CEO of Twitter at the time. And he made the same point. And he said one day he like made some comment about the the potted plant in the corner of the thing, like it was ugly or it was dying or something. He said, oh, that's ugly or something like that. And the next day there were no plants at Twitter. Like they just removed all plants no. through the yeah, plants <laughs> CEO says no yeah. plants throughout headquarters. So uh he, it was crazy. But yeah, um all the plants immediately. <laughs> Carrie, how can our listeners find out more about you and your new book? Okay, so lots of ways to find me and my new book. So you can go to carriekirpin.com, has every retailer under the sun, or Amazon work at Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business. And on social media, I am Carrie Kirpin just about everywhere. And then if you want to see what I do in my day job, which is really fun, which is creating content for large brands and in social media, you can go to likable.com too. Likable.com. We'll put all of those links in the show notes. Carrie, thanks for coming on to the LeadX show. Thanks so much, Kevin. I really appreciated it. LeadX family, that wraps up another mentoring session packed with advice just for you. Before I go, I hope you'll remember that at LeadX, we're on a mission to give free leadership training and professional development to everyone, anywhere, at any time. Visit leadx.org to check out our free course of the day and our weekly live webinars. And if you're the kind of person who always says thank you, please take one minute to go leave a rating for the LeadX show on iTunes because we're at 246 reviews and we need to get to 300. We get about two ratings a week, which is less than one per show. My heart is breaking. But... Big thanks to the new reviews from last month from Masahi, Annette's Guy, Zintim69, Mike071966, Stacy H331, Kaplan and Carolina, Princess Rose Love, McGahee01, and Living with Intention. And of course, because leadership is influence and we are all leading all of the time, it's just a question of whether we're leading in a positive direction or a negative direction. How will you lead today?